everyone, even though you may not know me very well, but you can see my face very often. And um, also thank you again for Andrew to invite me to speak to the English congregation. I remember the last time, uh, probably it was more than well, almost eight years ago when I preached in English congregation. So thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak to every, to all of you, and um, I hope that God's word would encourage all of us. Now, if we uh, just look at today's um, sermon title, which is called Friend at Midnight, and the four verses that Louis just read to us, we could quite easily misinterpret that this is a story about a friend asking his next door neighbor for three loaves of bread at the midnight. Now, however, if you look at the context of the chapter, we will know that this is in fact a parable about prayer. Now, let's turn, on the, turn to the Bible and look at verse 1, right? That's the beginning of this chapter. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples asked to him, or said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciple. And he said to them, when you pray, and then follow so that the, the lost prayer, which is actually what Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Then we come to verse 5 to 8, and uh, this simple parable about the friend at midnight, which tells the disciple their attitude in praying. And then in verse 9, Jesus continues with his teaching on prayer and say, Ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, the door uh, will be opened to you. Now, I, every believer should know that prayer is a very essential part of our Christian living. So why, that's why we have prayer just now. Uh, but Martin Luther once said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I think what he says is very true. I mean, if we say that we are Christian and we don't need to pray, I think we have a problem, do we? Because uh, it's like uh, you know, uh, someone who can say, I can be alive without breathing. Now, but we must ask ourselves this honest question. How important prayer is to our daily life, daily living. Do we see prayer, you know, just as our daily routine? We pray before meal, or as an emergency hotline to God. So when we have, you know, something emergency that happen, then we need to pray. Now Martin Luther also wrote on the continuing importance of prayer, and this is what he said: We must be, we must be careful not to break the habit of true prayer. He said true prayer here. And imagine other words to be necessary, which after all, are nothing of the kind. Thus, at the end, we become nuts and lazy, cool and listeners towards prayer. The devil who besets us is not lazy or careless, and our flesh is too ready and eager to sin and is disinclined to the spirit of prayer. Now, I think the unfortunate thing is that for some Christians that we may see other works, which could include ministry work, are more important than prayer. And in some situations, they may consider that other works, including ministry work, can be a substitution for their prayer life. 
Now, in this simple parable, there are two very important characters. They are friends, and they could be next door neighbors. One is asking the other for lending him three loaves of bread at midnight. Now, let's look at this friend asking for help at midnight. Uh, look at verse 5. Then he asked, then he said to him, Suppose one, that's Jesus said to the, the disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and said, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, we may need to unpack this verse a little bit. Because we need to find a home this friend asking for help is referring to. Now Jesus started his disciple with suppose one of you has a friend. What, that, what Jesus is trying to do is asking his listeners a general questions and then individualize it. The individual listener is then spoken of has a, having a friend to whom he goes at midnight and make a request for three loaves of bread. So Jesus is calling the individual listener to portray himself as the person who is in need of three loaves of bread to feed an unexpected guest. Therefore, the listener of the parables are in fact those who are in desperate need for help. Now, the other strange thing is about the unexpected guest in this story. Now, in today's world, it's quite difficult for us to comprehend why there's such an unexpected guest. If you plan to visit a friend overseas and stay at his or her place, I think you will at least send this person an email first, give him a phone call, send him a WhatsApp message, things like that, before you visit, do you? You wouldn't just arrive at the friend's place and then knocking in the door and surprise your friend. However, we must understand that at the time of Jesus, it's a very different world. There's no email, there's no mobile phone, there's no telephone, there's no WhatsApp messages, nothing. Right? And, uh, and there's no way that you can inform someone first before you try to visit the, uh, the, the friend. And therefore, it is, and it was a Jewish custom, to consider that it is a duty to show hospitality to strangers on journey in the Bible time. But when you look at the you look at what Job said in defending that well, he had done everything right and done nothing wrong, and this is what he said. But no stranger had to spend the light in the street, for my door was always open to the traveler. Job opened the door for strangers, for travelers who passed this, the place. Now we can see that now why this friend has to ask his labor for three loaves of bread at midnight. Because he needs to show hospitality to an unexpected guest who suddenly arrived at his doorstep. Surely he hasn't expected this friend to come, and there's no more bread left behind. Now, I mentioned in my introduction that this is a parable about prayer. A Christian should have the habit of praying every day. Now, in our prayer, we do we I don't know what you pray in the prayer, but do we just give a list of things to God and ask God to just to do this and do that for me? You may have heard this um, ACTS formula for prayer. Now, ACTS is an acronym that gives a basic model of how to pray. 
with adorations, confessions, thanksgiving, and supplications. The adoration, the A in the S model, stands for adorations, which simply means worship, glorifying and exalting God. Through adoration, we show our loyalty and admiration to our Father. As we pray, we are called to worship God in adorations. Isaiah 25.1 O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you and praise your name, for in your perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things. This is how we should pray, because we glorify him, he has done marvelous things for us. The C stands for confession. The C in the S model stands for confession. The word confess means that to agree with. When we confess our sins, we agree with God that we are wrong and we have sinned against him. By what we said, what we thought, and what we done. God forgive us and restore our relationship with him. And David confessed to God, Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover my iniquities. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the the guilt of my sin. Now the T stands for thanksgiving. How is thanksgiving different from adoration? The difference that worship focuses on God, who God is, and thanksgiving focus on what God has done to us. We can thank God for many things, including love, salvation, protection, and provisions. In First Thessalonians, say, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The S is supplication, which refers to prayer for hours and others' needs. A supplication is a request or a petition. And James reminds us that therefore confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So praying for each other. Paul also urges then first of all that request, prayer, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. So it's for everyone. Now we look at the friend who was asked to help at midnight. So there are two characters, as I mentioned before. One is a friend asking for help. The other one is the friend who was asked to help. Now we look at verse 7. Then the one inside answered, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now do you think that this next door labor is being unreasonable? Well, let's look at the reasons why this next door this uh, the, the, the reason given by this next door labor. The first one, don't bother me. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is very late at night. Whole family have already gone to bed. The second, the door is already locked. Yes, this is a very small house. Not as big as this hall, it's very small, right? To open the door will generate a lot of noises and then we'll, we'll wake up, but we disturb the whole family. My children are with me in bed. Oh, yes, it is a hassle to wake up young children, right? They can't go back to sleep again. I mean, perhaps you would uh, probably agree with me that the next door labor is not trying to be unreasonable, and I think all these are very good reasons. Under normal circumstances, to be called upon 
in the midnight or in the middle of the night is troublesome for anyone, whether it's a friend or not a friend. Agree? Okay. Now look at look at what Jesus continued to say. Verse eight. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as his need. Well, what he's saying here in verse 8 is quite inconceivable in normal life. Because things like that simply do not occur in usual course of event. However, the result is that the man inside the house actually gets up and attends to the need of the friend who comes calling upon him. He will disregard the time of the night, the noise, the possibility even waking up the children in order to help his friend. In fact, he will do this not because this person is his friend, and because of his bonus. Please remember, this is not a standalone parable. This parable is set within a series of teachings on prayer. It is obvious that the person who asks for help at midnight represents us. And the man who is inside the house responding to the request represents God himself. Then you will ask this question, will God always answer our prayer, even the prayer at the midnight? We will say, well, why, why God doesn't seem to hear my request sometimes? Billy Graham once said this, the only time I pray a never answer is on the golf course. Now, I think Billy Graham is just trying to, you know, making a little bit fun of, of you know, a funny way. However, when you think about that, there's a lot of truth in it. Jesus tells us when we pray, we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things which include all your daily needs will be given to you as well. Billy Graham knows that praying to win in a golf course has no eternal value in God's kingdom. And therefore God will not, will never answer his prayer in the golf course. See, James explained to us, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motive. That you may spend what you get on your pressure. So be careful. What's our motive in praying? It is not a matter of whether God will answer our prayer or not. It is a matter of whether we pray with the right motive and the right attitude. So what's the right attitude of praying? Now let's look at verse eight. Yet because the man of because of the man's bowlers, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. I think the first attitude is that we need to pray broadly. There's a Greek word for this bowlers, which is translated in NIV 
is called uh, anaedia. Now, it only appeared once here in this verse in the whole New Testament. And a better translation for this verse would be shamelessness or troublesome persistent, right? Now you will say, well, what's troublesome persistent? Many right? thing about the, the persistent widow in Luke 18, you will understand what's the meaning of troublesome persistent. In Luke 18, remember that there, was a, there is an unjust judge and um, uh, there was a persistent widow and this widow who come to this unjust judge with a plead. And this unjust judge, he does not fear God, he doesn't care about other people, and because of the persistent widow keeps bothering him, and he will answer to the widow's plead. So persistent or troublesome persistent is something like that. Now, do the NIV translation for this word, uh, anadelia, for bolus, which may not be 100% consistent with the original meaning of the word, but yet praying with consistence will require bolus in attitude. The author of, uh, the author of uh, Hebrews reminds us in this way. So let us therefore draw near with boldness unto the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help us in time of need. I use the ASV version for that. Uh, some translations confidence. I like the word uh, draw near with boldness unto the throne of grace. God wants us to come to Him with confidence, with boldness. The second thing I want to just mention about the attitude of, of praying is pray continually. Look at verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, lock and the door will be opened to you. Now in this verse you can see that there are three verbs, including ask, seek and lock. They are all in present tense. The other three verbs, will be given, will find, will be opened, are all in future tense. Jesus tells us to ask, to seek, to knock continually. Though God may not give us the answer now, there will be the appropriate response in the future. That's why Paul said to the Thessalonians, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When say pray continually and give thanks even when there's a prayer is not answered, this is the attitude we have to learn because this is the will of God for us. The third attitude I want to mention is about pray expectantly. Let's look at verse 10. For everyone who asks receive, he who seeks find, and to him who locks the door will be open. Now it appears that verse 10 is just a repetition of verse 9. However, this repetition underlines the certainty of God's response. It also assures that when we pray with the right attitude, we can expect, we can expect that God will give the answer according to His will. I would like to share with you a story about prayer. It happened to me about more than 10 years ago when I was still a minister at Living Spring Evangelical Free Church. 
Uh, this is not my hand, so, <laughs> but but this is, this picture is you know, uh, you can see it's a from there, right? I at that time uh, I got a, a, a very severe pain developed on the thumb joint of my right hand, right? Which caused a lot of which is caused by the inflammations and the swelling of the tendon sheath and and the ligament that connect the thumb. So if you have swelling, you have no inflammation, uh, medical people know that it's so difficult to move the thumb. And then I have a lot of difficulties at that time. And uh, it makes my life very difficult, I can tell you, uh, in particular when I prepare my sermon. It's not because typing, because when I prepare my Chinese sermon, I use a special electronic pad and then I write every word in Chinese, right? Uh, so when I write every word, I got so much pain in my finger, and and that is no fun at all. Uh, so I went to see a hand surgeon specialist uh, in order to get some relief of the pain, uh, and then he gave me an injection of steroid uh, to this tendon here. Now he actually warned me before that that uh, this injection could be quite painful because the needle is so big, number one. Number two, you can see that there's not much tissue here. Uh, when, you, when the injection goes in, you will touch the nerve. And he's, he was right. He was right. When you put the injection here, I literally yell out. It was so painful. And, uh, but it, but the injection doesn't work. It only works for a few days. And after a few days, the pain comes back. So I saw this specialist the second time and gave me a second injection. Also very painful. And then we only good for a few days and then come back again. So I say, I say, I see this specialist again and say, well, the only solution to you is an operation, which you have to you know, cut something here. Uh, I say, well, I don't want to do any operation. So I told the whole church about my phone problem and in a prayer meeting and asked the church and brothers and sisters to pray for me. That's the only way, because I don't want to do operations. I feel so painful when I do my prepared sermon. So the only thing I can do is ask them to pray for me. After two months, the pain of my thumb gradually disappeared, and this problem with the tendon was healed before any surgery. There are many, many of those stories I can tell you. The time does not allow today for me to tell them, to, to tell you about those stories. Prayer, praying. The late Reverend Philip Tenrowe in spoke called Sign Post about three types of missing person in church, and this is what he said. I translate it into English. It's a Chinese, right? He says someone's name is on the church register, but we can't see him in church worship. This is the first type of missing Christian. Some Christians never show up at prayer meetings. This is the second type of missing Christian. Some Christians have never entered the quiet room. The quiet room. This is the third type of missing person. The first type loses salvation. The second type makes the church loses many blessings. The third type 
loses himself many blessings. Are you one of the missing persons in the church? How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the parable that we just read. Father, help us to remind that you want us to pray with the right attitude. You want us to pray boldly. You want us to pray continually. You want, you want us to pray expectantly. But Father, how often that we just treat praying as a daily routine. Sometimes we should prayer like an emergency hotline. We never use prayer to come close to you, to praise you, to worship you, to give thanks to you, and to build up this relationship with you. So Father, help us with this passage today to correct our attitude in praying so that we are not becoming one of the missing person in the church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.